Are you a strategic leader on your team or in your company or industry, or are you more of a tactical leader? And there's value in both, right? But if you step back and look at each one, a strategic leader versus a tactical leader, which one do you think has the most potential for income, for growth, for scaling, for all of that? It's strategic, right? And I've had a couple of conversations in the last few weeks with uh, people that I coach where I'm, I'm, I'm talking to them about this or, or I'm talking about a member of their team and saying she or he needs to be more strategic. And so, some of these folks have asked me the question, well, what does that mean, Russ? Like, how would you define a strategic leader differently than a tactical leader? And that is the question I want to answer in this episode. Leadership is the ability to facilitate movement in others toward a destination you can describe. I'm Russ Hill. I help build leaders. And this is the Culture Hacks Podcast. Welcome in to episode 156. We're more than three years into this podcast, and I just I just have to constantly tell you all how much I appreciate each and every one of you, wherever in the world you are, whatever age you are, whatever profession or industry or title you have, I, I just highly value each and every one of you making a decision to spend a few minutes with me. Maybe it's twice a week. You listen to every single podcast. Maybe you pop in and out from time to time, I, uh, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever listened to. I, uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to find out more about me and connect with me, I respond to every single message I get. Sometimes it takes a little while, but I respond to them all. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. The link to do that is in the show notes. Okay. Four ways that, uh, that determine whether or not you're a strategic leader or more of a tactical leader. And before I, before I, uh, you know, kind of list them off and tell some stories about each of the four things that I want to cover, there's nothing wrong. You all with a tactical leader. And we need them in organizations. We need people to just to execute and to do the things that need to be done today. So not everyone needs to be a strategic leader. I am going to try to persuade you to be more strategic because it will increase your income potential. It will help you scale the organization faster. It will open up opportunities for you. It, it's just there's so much value in being a strategic leader versus a tactical one. But if you're younger or more inexperienced in leadership or you, you, you're you're just, you know, making your way up the corporate ladder or, or maybe it's a smaller company and and you're just, you know, you're in a phase right now where you're just more hands on execute day in, day out. That's there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, but, but I do over time want to open your mind to a strategic leader. So being a strategic leader. So what, what makes somebody a strategic leader versus a tactical leader? I'll tell you what I'm looking for. So if I get on the phone with you or we're having a conversation, what I'm looking for are these four things. The first one, here we go. You live in the future, not the present. And, uh, I, I, I heard a talk actually at church years ago. Um, by one of the leaders of the church that I go to, and um, his name is Thomas Monson. He's passed away, passed away several years ago, but uh, was a global leader of of the church that I'm a member of. 
And Thomas Monson gave a talk a long time ago where he talked about a sheep herder versus a shepherd. Okay, so let me I'm just going to read two quick paragraphs, maybe four or five sentences from this talk he gave, and it will lay the foundation of what I'm talking about, what I mean when I say someone who lives in the future, not the present. Okay, so here's here's what Thomas Monson said. One thing I remember best about Provo Canyon. So this is up in Utah. It's a canyon I'm familiar with. It's beautiful. It's amazing, like takes your breath away. It's between kind of Provo, the city of Provo and Salt Lake City, about an hour south of um, of uh, Salt Lake City. It's it's the gateway, if you will, to Sundance, the Sundance Ski uh, Resort, the Robert Redford property up there and uh, just an, an amazing, amazing place. So um, Thomas Monson's talking about this Provo Canyon area where a river, the Provo River runs down. It's just it's just beautiful picture, like waterfalls and tall pine trees and rock cliffs and it's just, it's amazing. Okay, so back to the talk. Thomas Monson says, one thing I remember best about Provo Canyon is the experience I encountered when driving around a bend near Vivian Park. I met on the road a large herd of sheep. Have you ever seen a sheep herder in one of our western mountain canyons directing the sheep? He is usually at the rear of the flock, slouched down on his horse, sound asleep, and doing the work are about a half dozen small dogs yapping and barking at the heels of the sheep. He is a sheep herder. He goes on to say, Thomas Monson says, a few months ago in Germany, I saw a true shepherd. There he was with staff in hand, singing, walking in front of his flock, and the flock followed behind him. When he turned to the left, the sheep turned to the left. When he went to the right, they went to the right. There were no dogs barking at the heels of his sheep. They indeed knew their shepherd and were following the pathway he took. So this talk was about the difference between a sheep herder and a shepherd. So sheep herder, according to Thomas Monson, I don't live in this industry. I don't know, claim to know anything about it, but um, he's not the only one I've ever heard talk about this. But a sheep herder apparently is at the back of the flock, uses animals like dogs to round them up and kind of you know, moving them there, 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 that person, a sheep herder would be behind them, herding the sheep, just moving ahead. A shepherd, you know, you picture the traditional shepherd with the, uh, kind of the, um, candy cane, right? Um, they've got the big curved cane and they're walking at the front of, of the uh, herd of sheep and the sheep are following, following him or her, the shepherd. So that's what I mean by living in the future. Are you reacting to things or are you out leading the company? So are you more reactionary or are you more proactive? Do you come to work most days and you're focused just on today or do you live in the future? Do you think about the future and you're trying to bring the organization to where you can picture it being in a year from now or two years from now? Okay. It goes back to just a quick reminder. I talked about this many, many episodes ago um, where when I when I took on the project of overseeing the turnaround of the media brands here in Phoenix, when I was working in the broadcast media industry and I moved to Phoenix, our family moved and I was given the responsibility to turn around these hemorrhaging media properties, terrible ratings, terrible revenue. I write about this experience in the uh, in the book, Decide to Lead. In fact, the whole book, I kind of have the, have the ongoing story. If you've read that book, you, you're familiar with me talking about this story. 
And 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 what became clear to me at one point was if I was actually going to turn around these media properties, I had to stop listening to them every day because I would be so caught up in putting out the fires of what was going over the airwaves today, this hour that I wouldn't be able to really focus on the personnel moves I needed to do, the strategic moves I needed to do, the big picture moves I needed to do in order to take these media brands to where they needed to go ultimately in the future. I'd be so concerned with smaller issues of the day that I wouldn't really be making big strategic decisions. So what I'm looking for in a strategic leader is someone who lives in the future, not the present. And there are lots of other things that you could put as sub bullets or bullet points underneath that, what that means in your world. Okay. Item number two, and this is related to the first one. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's in, I have a whole chapter on this in decide to lead. And, um, it's about, can you describe the future? And, and in the book, I, I, and in fact, I, I go through this, I'm not selling you guys this. I'm just, it's just on my mind. Um, in the Decide to Lead course, which many of you have purchased, you can buy it online. There's a link to it in the show notes. No worries. If you don't want it, great. It's just a bunch of videos of me acting like we're one-on-one and I'm training you and teaching you as a leader. It's, in fact, it's really, really good for leaders who are maybe mid-level and trying to get to the senior level or, or trying to make themselves more strategic. And so I just recorded a bunch of videos of me teaching the concepts in the book, Decide to Lead. And I, I go through this. I have a whole module in there um, in those videos in that online course about, well, what does that mean to describe the future? And it, it, the first thing is that you have key results. The second thing is the, the purpose and mission are defined. And I'm not talking about that necessarily for the whole company. If you own the company or you're a senior executive of the corporation, that's really important that you've got the purpose and mission defined and key results for the whole company. But I'm also talking about your department or your team. Like what's the mission or purpose of your team? And do you talk about that? Like, is it, are you, is there energy to it? Are you motivating other people because you talk about this purpose and mission so much. The uh, a- another thing would be guiding principles or cultural behaviors, as I call them in the book and in the course, where you can define all that. So if I get on the phone with you, and I'm asking, okay, well, what are what are you trying to accomplish this quarter, or what what you know what 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 does success look like for you? So often the person on the other end of the phone will say to me, well. You know, we got to we got to make sure we're driving revenue or we're doing this like they're vague, number one, or number two, it's like a company. It's a company key result or something for the whole organization. And it's not something that they're really driving with their team right now. If you oversee the company, you ought to be talking about the company key results and mission and purpose and guiding principles and all of that. But um, and if you're a team leader, you ought to you, you ought to be focused on what that means for your team. So here are the three results I'm really trying to deliver this quarter or this year for my team and or in our department. This is what I'm trying to do. And, and, and this is the theme. This is the purpose or mission for what we're trying to accomplish. And I'm speaking to it. Well, then you're a strategic leader. Like, and, and when you're a strategic leader, it doesn't mean you're not dealing with tactical things and, and, you know, you, 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 that you're getting your hands dirty every day. No, you still are, but you're adding tons of value by being so focused on the future where you're taking this division or this department. You're talking constantly about where it's going to be in a year from now. And, and it, it's not just some lofty vision in your mind. Like it's real. Like you're really trying to accomplish that. Okay. 
So number one, you live in the future, not the present. Number two, you can describe and you do describe frequently the future. Number three is your ability to focus. And, and what that means is you've got two or three priorities rather than 25. And, and they're on the top of your mind. Like, again, if we were on the phone, I would say, so what, 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 are, your, what are your priorities right now in this quarter or this month? And you'd, you'd be able to tell me, well, it's, number one, I've got to get this person changed out. And number two, I've got to get that thing done. And number three, I've got to do that. And that's what I'm really focused on for the next 90 days. And, and you have every intent to accomplish it. Like you've done things today or this week or last week that are moving you forward on those two or three things that you're focused on. Otherwise, you're just doing a job. You're not really moving the organization forward. You're, you're important to the company because you're getting things done, but you're tactical. You're, you, you've got a million different things going and, and you're not really focused on two or three. I remember a conversation I had with a senior executive of the firm that I left uh, in February that I've spent the last nearly decade with. And uh, there was a senior executive who was on the team and she's just so bright and so awesome. I just, she's just a favorite of mine and uh, have a ton of respect for her. But often in meetings, she like, when she would talk, it would be, she'd be all over the place, like tons of, she had tons of energy and motivated and totally committed and dedicated. Nobody would question that. But when she was done speaking, whether that was 60 seconds or five minutes, I was kind of dizzy because I didn't know what she really, there wasn't a focus to it. There wasn't, well, these are the two or three things that we need to get done. This is the one thing that we need to focus on. It was just a ton of stuff. And so a strategic thinker can narrow that down to two or three things. They've got two or three priorities every 30 to 90 days. Okay, item number four is you're an active contributor rather than a reactive responder. So in meetings, you speak up. You add items to the agenda. You, you're, you're uncovering or discovering things that we need to be talking about as a senior leadership team. You're offering that perspective. You're not, you're not a, 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 a contributor willing to react to things. You're a leader bringing things up and actively weighing in on different things. This has been a challenge for me in my, in my career, especially early on. I'd go to management meetings and I'd think, okay, my job is to, to react. My job is to offer my opinion when it's asked for. And what I found is um, the, more, the more that I become proactive, not just talking to talk and spewing a bunch of hot air just to be heard and to, and to, to, to be noticed, no. I, I, I'm speaking up to bring value. I'm listening and then I'm weighing in and I don't let, I don't let too long go in a meeting, too much time pass in a meeting without me speaking up or weighing in on this topic or having an opinion. One of the things that I, a huge mistake I made um, a few years ago was we were, we were consulting a, uh, a, a large organization and uh, we were in in with an intense group of leaders. I can't remember where in the world we were. I don't remember what what location it was. But I remember a um, a senior leader, and there were a few of us from our firm there. And I remember one of the executives pointing to each one of the each member of our firm. Maybe there were three or four of us there, and saying, "What do you think on this topic?" It's like this is a multi hour meeting, 
and we're contributing and observing and, 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 and there is consultants. And, and so he went to, you know, number one, you know, this first person from our firm and they offered some insight. Then they went to the second person, they offered some insight or some opinions. Then they went to me, he went to me and I said, you know, I, uh, I really don't have anything to add on that. I don't have anything that I, that I really, I, I think you all, I, I said something like you all, you know, are having the right discussion. Just keep going. Oh my gosh, this executive slammed me, like ate me for lunch. Like, oh, you have nothing to add? Like you don't have any perspective? There's nothing that you want? I thought, oh crap, <laughs> I answered that question wrong. And I, I learned a powerful lesson that's happened multiple times to me, not as dramatic as that one, where I thought, oh no, my job is to have an opinion, it is to have uh, an observation, to have insight, to react to things. And, and that's not... That's not because I'm a, a I'm a co- consultant. It's because if you're in the room, that's what's expected of you, that you, you're going to bring value, that you've got insights and opinions and observations. And it might not be an opinion. It might be a question. You know, this is what's on my mind. This is what I'm thinking about. And especially at those senior levels and absolutely in those large organizations, if you're in the room, we're expecting you to bring value. Otherwise, you're not going to be in the room much longer. Right. Okay. So that's really, I, I gained insight on that too, as I was growing through the the ranks up the org chart in corporate America or the corporate world. And that I realized the more value I had added, the more insight I had, the more I was an active contributor rather than a reactive responder, the more I found myself being elevated in an organization or teams wanted me or leaders wanted me to be part of discussions because they knew I'd be bringing something interesting, some interesting insight or observations or questions or whatever it might be. So four things, live in the present, not the future or live in the future, not the present. Describe the future. How often are you describing it? Can you? If we had a phone call, would that be just at the tip of your tongue? You're talking about it. Do you have the ability to focus? Do you have two or three key priorities right now continually? And and what are those? So I'm not talking about the two or three priorities for today. That's different. I'm talking about this quarter. I'm focused on this. I've got to make this move and that move, and I'm really focused on it. And number four, I'm an active contributor rather than a reactive responder. That's what makes you strategic versus transactional. If you want more, um, if you want to hear some more on this, I don't remember what episode it was. I think it's it's in the first 100 episodes, somewhere back, like I think in the 70s, but I could be wrong on that. I did a, I did an, I did a, a, an episode where I think the title of it's transactional versus transformational leader. If you just scroll back through, if you want to hear more about this, or you've got a member of your team that you, you, you think needs to be more strategic, have them listen to this episode, like send them the link to this episode. And you might dig in also to that transactional versus transformational leader. That's different. It's not the exact same topic. And you, you may want that leader that reports to you or is on your team to be strategic, but you don't necessarily need them to be transformational. A strategic leader has way more value, way more potential. Their market value is way higher than a transactional leader. And a transformational leader is even higher than that, which I covered um, you know, a year and a half or so ago in, in, in an episode that was titled Transactional versus Transformational Leader. Okay, hopefully that helps you, and uh, and I would just encourage you to work on whichever one of those you're you're maybe a little bit weak on those four items that I talked about 
They're super critical to scaling an organization, scaling your impact and helping achieve results. Those are the types of leaders we're looking for in organizations, strategic leaders. All right. Hope you're healthy. Hope you're well. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Are you getting my emails as well? Every week, I'm writing an article designed to strengthen your ability to lead others. Are you seeing these? If you're not, join the more than 5,000 people who are reading them. They've subscribed for free. Just go to RussHill.me. Start getting those weekly leadership articles at RussHill, my name, dot M-E. At that site, by the way, you can also learn more about my online courses and coaching sprints if you've got interest in that as well. RussHill.me.